Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, I Am Strong. We learn in this series that when we surrender our weaknesses, we gain strength. Our prayer is that you give your weakness over to God so He can use your strengths to bring Him glory. Aren't you glad we serve a God who in our weakness and in our mess didn't run away from us but ran to us? Aren't you glad today that we serve a God who in the midst of all of our struggles and our difficulties says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Today we have a Father who loves us. We have a God who's willing to give himself up for us. That in our weaknesses, we could be made strong. That in our lives, you find a foundation that was unshakable that we can stand upon. And that those things that are messy and those things that are weaknesses, when they are brought before the throne of God through Christ, that they become strength. That the very things we think we have to hide from every other human being becomes the things that God says, if you will yield that to me, it will become a platform for my demonstration of power, not just in your life, but in the world. Are you thankful today? We don't have a savior. We don't have a high priest. We don't have a God who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but has in every way been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Didn't judge us because we couldn't do it, but said, I'll give my life for you so that you can do it. You can attain my righteousness, but I will give it to you simply by trusting in me. What an awesome and amazing God some of you today, the hell you've been through has led you to think that you're not usable by God. The hell you're living in makes you think there's no way God can use this. Is the very thing that God is going to use to demonstrate His power in your life. The good news of Jesus is that we in our weakness become strong when we bring our weakness to our strength, which is Christ. I want to read a scripture to you scripture for the message this morning. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at how we become strong in Christ. And Paul has this amazing vision of heaven. And then he begins to talk about this to the Corinthians. Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there's nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord I know a man, he's speaking of himself, in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast in a man like that, but I will not boast in myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. 
to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Church, will you pray with me? God, we come to you today. Lord, each with our own weaknesses, each with our own thorn, each with our own temptation to not trust you with areas of our life, each with a temptation to hide things from you. God, today I come and my prayer is that through your great grace, God, we would surrender those weaknesses to you. We would let those things go. Maybe things that have haunted us for years. Maybe things, God, that we just settled into and given up on. Things we've been denying, God. I pray and I ask, Lord, that today would be the first step in healing from that. That today would be the first step in our weakness becoming strength. That today, God, we would begin to have hope that your great power can indeed work in our lives to heal and to mend what's been broken. God, there's burdens, there hurts, but we know that you're bigger. Be our strength, Lord, as we come to you. Be our strength, Lord, that we can take your hand. We can stand, God, not because of who we are, because of what you've done. Minister to our hearts, Lord, today. In Jesus' amazing name, amen. Amen. And we could clap for that song and praise God. We do indeed serve an amazing God who's come to us in our weakness and in our inabilities and uh, has given us strength to overcome. And and I want to talk to you the next few weeks about this opportunity we have to become strong in weakness, to um, actually see the things that hinder us become strengths in our lives. And today we're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10, at how this takes place. And this is the thing that I've been around long enough to realize that every person in here has a weakness. Every person in here has a struggle. Um, every person in here, there's some area of your life that is a temptation to not trust God, um, to put your trust in your own strength. And, and today, I want us to realize, if we don't realize anything else out of this today, that we can bring our weaknesses to our strength and they indeed become strong. That we become strong when we take our weakness to our strength and our strength is Jesus. Our strength is Christ. And we have this opportunity. Every one of us have these struggles. Um, this week on Tuesday, Susan and I were in a little city, little city, little town, little village um, called Hogansville, Georgia. And uh, it's where my aunt was buried on Tuesday. And we were there and I'd eaten breakfast really early that morning. Susan hadn't eaten anything all day. We went and, and uh, decided we'd get some lunch on the way home. It's about a three and a half hour ride. So we went by Wendy's. And uh, 
I always let Susan order because if she orders something unhealthy, then I feel like that gives me the right to order something unhealthy. And so I looked at her and, and, and now my secret's out, but she'll make me order first now. And I said, Susan, how about, uh, what do you want? You know? And one thing I do hate is sitting there with the window down and the lady's like, can I take your order? And you're like, what do you want? What do you want? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, we've been to Wendy's 4,000 times. You know what they got? It's like order something. And so she was like, give me the grilled chicken combo. And I was like, the key word there is combo. Because combos come with what? Fries, right? They come with French fries. And so right there, I was like, yes, my day got a little brighter. And so I told the lady, I was like, she'll have the grilled chicken combo. I want the cheeseburger combo. And then I was like, with a Diet Coke. You know, I don't know, like somehow Diet Coke offsets the the calories in the cheeseburger and the fries. And so I said this, I said, give me the large. I want to make that large. Saying it so that I had this opportunity that if Susan said anything, I could be like, I'm in the Diet Coke. I want a large Diet Coke. But knowing in the back of my mind what that really meant is that if I say large, I'm going to get large fries too. And so we go, we get our bag and it was like, it was the glory of heaven. It, it, it literally happened where Susan reaches down into the bag, pulls out this thing of fries. I kid you not, it looked like a five gallon bucket of French fries. And I was like, that is so good. And so I ate a couple and I was like, heaven. I mean, it, it just, honestly, what well, I love French fries. It's my weakness. I love like to eat them. I just, I can't resist them. And so I was like, I tell you what, I'll eat my hamburger first as if that's a good second option. But I said, I'll eat my hamburger first and then maybe I won't eat all the French fries. And so I went and, and I ate the cheeseburger and then I was like, I'll just eat one. Maybe one more. And I did that until the whole thing was gone. Have you ever seen people riding down the road and they take the French fry thing and they like hold it up and shake it so that every little bitty crumb and piece of salt falls out into their mouth? That's me. That's what I do. And so I, I literally ate every single French fry and, and I was, I felt bad and now my pants don't fit, you know, but it was so worth it. And so I ate it all and, 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 and I started thinking about that again and I was like, man, that's such a weakness, you know, for me that, that. Man, I love French fries. You put those things in front of me, I'm going to eat them. And, and I can't stand it. There's something about fried potatoes that's simply divine. I mean, it's just that good. And so I eat them and it's a weakness. And here's the reality. They're like, that's, that's such a simple weakness. And while it's not healthy, um, there's so many other things in my life and the lives of people here today that it is such a, a seems like a bigger weakness. It's something that we all struggle with. There, there are things in our lives that Honestly, we have such a hard time coming to and bringing our weaknesses before God. And we see that Paul in the scripture, there was some weakness that he was struggling with. There was something going on in his life that was in such a way that, man, he had prayed to God. He had begged God, God, please take this weakness away. Honestly, we don't know for sure what that weakness is. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. A lot of people will say that it was some physical ailment. A lot of people think it was his eyes. Some people believe that it was... um, his actual condemnation. Hello, anybody ever have trouble with condemnation? Maybe for the past or the things that you've done. Listen, he, he was, some people believe he was struggling with condemnation, that it kept coming back to him because of the way he had persecuted the church before he became a Christian. Other people think it was actually people, people that came against him and false teachers who were trying to lead the church away from the true gospel and put them back under the legalistic demands of the law. And, and, and that this was his struggle, that he was just having a hard time dealing with these teachers. 
And other people think it was actually demonic, that it was a demon that was coming against him because it says it was a messenger of Satan. Regardless of what that was, I don't think the important thing today is for us to get caught up on what the thorn was. I think the thing we need to look at today and what we need to understand is the purpose of the thorn and the ability of the thorn to produce in Paul's life power, not to end up killing him and hurting him and diminishing him from life, but actually leading him into life more abundantly. That that is what God's teaching us in here. He talks about the third heaven. Don't get caught up in the third heaven. Basically what Paul's saying is I went to the third heaven, the place where God resides, the place where God is. He's saying basically there's one level that the birds fly in. There's another level where, where the stars are. And then there's where God is, this hidden place that he says, God gave me a vision to see into heaven. And he says, this was such a great revelation that I can't even really speak of the things that I saw. It's not good for me to even utter these things. And he says, but there was a thorn, a messenger of Satan. It didn't come from God, but God allowed it into his life. And the thing I want you to see, and the thing I want you to understand is that it wasn't given to Paul to kill him. It was given to Paul to empower him. It wasn't given to Paul so that it would hurt his ability to minister for God and to do God's work. It was given so that it would ultimately become a catalyst for him to do greater things for God. Y'all with me? Amen. Yeah. Woohoo. That was good, preacher. Yeah. And so it was given to him so that he would come to a place of greater ministry, greater dependence on the Lord. And I want you to understand that the point of this passage is not the revelation of the third heaven. The point of this passage is not what the the identity of the thorn was. The point of this passage is the revelation that Paul had that it would be his weaknesses, not his strengths, that became the platform for a demonstration of God's power. Y'all get that? That it was his weaknesses, not his strengths, that would become the platform for a demonstration of God's power. Hello, if that's the case, then I can be the most powerful man in the world in the, in the strength of God, right? Because I got some weaknesses. And so we see that this is what he's telling Paul. This is what he's taught Paul. That Paul would come to this place of recognizing. That if you'll trust me with this weakness... If you'll trust this to me, if instead of turning away from me because of your weakness, you will turn to your strength, me, in Christ, you would turn to me, then your weakness will become strength. And Paul's own testimony is this, that I prayed, God showed me, and then I turned it over to him, and I became strong in my weakness. I won't even boast in my strengths because I'll boast in my weaknesses because it then becomes testimony to the power of Jesus And the power of God. But I wonder this church. How badly do we get this backwards? Right? We would much rather. Hide our weaknesses. Boast in our strengths. And be weak in God. And continue to struggle in weaknesses. Rather than. Saying okay. This is my weakness. I'll even boast in these. I'll even share my struggles. So that then they might become strengths in the Lord. But typically we don't go to other people. We don't even want people to know our weakness, much less boast in our weakness, right? We would, we'd much rather just be able to sweep them under the rug and ignore them and pretend they're not there. Yet Paul tells us very clearly that if we'll bring those to the Lord, if rather than our weaknesses driving us to some sort of exit, 
then we can come to a place where they begin to be strengths. They begin to be strengths in our own life. Here's the thing that I would tell you for many of us, because our weaknesses are all a temptation to not trust God. I would tell you our weakness is not a sin. Our, our weakness is not pornography. Our weakness is not sexual immorality. Our weakness is not um, being an alcoholic. Our weakness is, is not being a drug addict. Our weakness is not a bad marriage. Our weakness is the temptation to not trust God with some area of our life. And here's the reality that we have to see. If you read James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, he tells us that um, we, we all are tempted when by our own desires we are led away. And then when desire has matured, when it's fully grown, it gives birth to sin. And then sin gives birth to death. And so the thing that we have to begin to see is that our weaknesses are the temptations that ultimately lead us to sin. Our weaknesses are temptations that equal desire. And when desire is inappropriately handled, it leads us to sin. We're going from the sin, the manifestation of something ungodly to that temptation and that point that actually produces that sin. Does that make sense? Are you getting that it's not just about trying to prune off bad fruit. We need to get to the root of what's going on and what's causing us to produce that fruit in our lives. It's not just about having an anger issue. What's producing the issue in my life? What's the temptation? Where is it that I'm not trusting God that causes me to struggle with these things? And because of this lack of trust and because we have a fear that this desire will somehow not be met, that we feel like maybe I can do it better than God. Maybe I can meet the desires of my heart better than God. And we don't trust God to be meeting our desires to do the things that we do. We survive and not thrive because of certain weaknesses. There are people in here today who you you just heard Tanya's testimony. One of the weaknesses you struggle with is perfectionism and it turns into Christian legalism. We try to be perfect and when we can't be perfect, we feel unworthy. We feel like we can't do anything. And so it ultimately ends up driving us away from God rather than trusting in Christ, trusting that he became perfect because I'm not. And if I'll simply rest in him, then he'll begin to produce in me the perfection that I can never attain. But it's not about me being perfect. It's about me trusting in the one who is and him doing a work in my heart that begins to change my life. When we come to condemnation, hello, condemnation, we walk in condemnation because we don't trust that Christ's work on the cross was enough. This is a spiritual and, and, and just a reality of life. You cannot walk in Christ listening to the voice of God and walk in condemnation at the same time. The two are mutually exclusive. If you're walking in condemnation, then you're listening to the wrong voice. Because if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. You've been set free. Been given freedom from sin. And God begins to work on the inside. How about patience? Anybody have a little trouble with patience? There's a temptation to become frustrated, to become angry, to get all this built up inside of us. Oh, parents, right? If you want patience, like if you pray for patience, I figured this out on Friday. You pray for patience, God sends you to the DMV to get your license renewed. I was there from 419. My ticket said 419. They called me at 5 till 7. I was like, this is nuts. There was some guy that just started singing in there. He was like, I'm going to California to find her. And then another guy starts going, go get her, man, go get her. And I, I didn't know what was going on. 
He started singing so loud at first. I was like, Bob, I didn't know what happened. I, was, I, I thought somebody had come in and shot up the place. I was like, they're acting out what I'm thinking. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. That they, they, they literally, like two hours and almost 40 minutes sitting there. I was like, oh man, I should I just probably pray for patience. And they sent me here. But how about that? How about patience? Like we struggle, man. It's a temptation for us to be in such a hurry that we're trying to do all these things that we miss life. We're not patient. We're angry. We're frustrated. How about provision? How many people in here today, you're worried about, about where the money's going to come from? You're worried about the economy, what your stock's going to do. You're worried about your job. Is it going to work out you're worried about all of these different things you're worried about is he gonna let me remind you that you have a sovereign god who is a good father who loves to take care of his children you have a god who is your provider your provision is not some company or anything else your provision is god the father and this is what i believe with all my heart and i've seen it in my own life through many life changes and steps of faith that god will take care of his children period but we don't trust God many times with our provision. How about future? Hello, college students. What am I going to do when I graduate? What am I going to do majoring in school? Where am I going to get a job? We begin to not to lean on our own understanding, don't we? Thinking that we can figure it out. How about older folks in here who you're out of school? Maybe you got married and you're wondering, or maybe you're wondering right now, like, who am I going to marry? Who am I going to marry? I'm like, okay, girls are looking at their watch. They're like, I thought I'd have a youngin' by now. Thought I'd be married, have a house. And you're wondering, you worry. What's the future hold? Maybe you're married and you're like, do we have kids? How many kids? What do they look like? What if they're bad? What if, what if, what if, what if? Can we love them? Will we love them? What will we do with them? What school do they go to? Do we homeschool? All of these things that, that we worry about in our future and all of these different things. And, and, and we, just, we just worry about the future. Not trusting that there's a sovereign God who's in control of that. He loves us dearly. Who, If we're in Christ, has brought him to himself and longs to care for us. How about relationships? Does anybody in here struggle? Your weakness is relationships. Let me ask you this. How's your purity in relationships? How's your purity in relationships? How is it? How about this? How, how many of you have somebody that you're just bitter at? Just angry. You're just frustrated. You're holding on to bitterness. I've heard it said that holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. It's like drinking poison and waiting on the other person to die. That's what bitterness and unforgiveness does. But how are your relationships? How about this one? How many guys and girls in here, don't, you don't have to raise your hands, but listen, how many of you in here today, you struggle with being alone? Like one of your greatest fears is just not having somebody. So you go from guy to guy or girl to girl, trying to find somebody in your life that'll satisfy you. Because listen, we don't trust in our relationships that God desires the best for us. That what he would have us to do, what he would have us to be, and what he would have us to become is what's best. Oh, this one, this one hits home with me about insecurity as a weakness. Any insecure people in here? You admit it? Yeah, I admit it. Insecurity. 
See, this is one of those things that plays itself out in so many different ways. Let me help you, like little things that, that help us identify our insecurity. Like if you walk into a room and people are laughing, do you instantly go, they're laughing at me? I did that this week. I opened the door to the office and like right when I stepped in, Caitlin and Tanya started laughing. I was like, are they laughing at me? And then you do this, you start checking your zipper. You know what I mean? You start checking your zipper, see if it's down. You're like, oh gosh, oh gosh, what is it? What is it? You know, did I button my shirt? What is it? And so there's this instant feeling like, are they laughing at me? What are they thinking? Do you fear what other people think? Like, does that drive your life? Making sure you don't look stupid when you walk into a room full of people. You're like, oh God, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. We worrying about that. Is that driving our lives? How about some bigger things? Like this search for false intimacy because we're insecure in who we are. So we go and we try to find our identity in other things like pornography. Or we're insecure with who we are and, and we begin to try to please other people that leads us into some type of addiction or some type of other unhealthy behavior. We're trying to seek and, and try to find ways to numb the pain of, of not being able to cope with everyday life. So we resort to pills or alcohol or whatever it may be. And this insecurity begins to work itself out in our life. Because here's the thing. We don't trust God with our identity. So we either try to recreate it. To be what we think it ought to be. Or we begin then to try to numb it so that it just goes away. I'll tell you today that a desire, a sinful desire, a desire that tempts us to walk away from God handled inappropriate, it leads to sin. Our weakness, if it's handled inappropriately, it leads to sin and sin leads to to death and most of us in here have lived long enough to realize that that scripture that teaching is true our evil desires when we go the wrong direction with them always lead to death of something but here's the good news that through jesus we have the ability to bring our weakness to our strength which is christ we have the ability to not just, just have to live in this state of, of confusion, to live in this state of always trying to attain, to live in this state of, of literal, like, just upheaval in our lives where things just aren't right. But we can bring our weakness to our strength. And when weakness and temptation, when it's handled properly, and our weakness is brought to our strength, we're able to become strong the power of God I want to tell you just a few things and we're going to end today I want to give you just some things that I see out of this scripture and in people's lives that we've got to come to that we've got to be willing to step into if we're going to see our weakness become strengths if we're going to see God use our weaknesses as a platform for his demonstration of his power number one is this recognize it don't deny it recognize your weakness don't deny the weakness here's the thing that i see so many times with with people and even with myself we know it's there right but we just deny it we pretend it doesn't exist 
Reed at home, he's two, man. When we play hide and seek, this is what he does. He runs and he finds covers and he puts them over his head. The rest of his body is out there. It's clear to see it's there, right? But he just covers his head up and he's like, okay, I'm gone. And so then you have to pull the covers off before he thinks you can see him. But I find that we do that so many times in our own life. We just feel like if I just hide it, it goes away. But here's the reality. It doesn't. It's still there. When you pull the covers back, there it is. We think we just hide it from other people and they won't see it, but it's there. It's the reality. Paul in this text, he didn't hide it. He recognized it. He didn't deny it. He brought it to to God. He brought it to the Lord. He said, I prayed and I brought it to him because he knew denying it was going to do no good. The weakness is there. The temptation is there. It just is what it is. And if I don't bring this to the Lord, it's going to end up taking me in the wrong direction. I can't deny it. I've got to bring my weakness to my strength. I've got to bring my weakness to my strength, denying it doesn't do any good number two seek don't settle seek don't settle here's the thing we need to see in the scripture paul had a very clear identity of his weakness paul paul brought had brought clarity to his weakness why because he prayed he sought the lord he didn't just settle for the fact that this weakness whether it was his eyes whether it was condemnation whether it was people coming against him he didn't just say well this is just who i am i think i'll just settle here this is just how i'm gonna be no he repeatedly he brought his weakness to Christ. He brought his weakness to God. Paul didn't give in to the weakness. He gave it up to Jesus. Paul didn't just say, this is how it's going to be. He didn't put, listen, he didn't put his weakness on the throne of his life. He brought his weakness before the throne of God. And he said, God, I can't do this. Take it away. And God said, Paul, listen, I'm not going to take it away. But this is what I will promise you. My grace is sufficient for you. The word sufficient doesn't mean that my grace will get you by, Paul. It's a word that means abundantly. He's saying, I'm going to pour out my grace on you, Paul, in such a way. When you come to me, Paul, my grace is so sufficient that you can have abundant life even in the midst of a struggle, even in the midst of a weakness. You can have abundant life. But many times our weaknesses are the very thing that keep us dependent on God. Yet the promise of the Lord is that he can take that weakness and make it a strength. And if we'll come to him and bring the weakness to him, that God himself will be our strength, that his grace will be perfected in us and his strength seen through our lives. Can you imagine what it would look like if we brought our weaknesses to our strength? I want to encourage you. Don't give up on something that Jesus has already overcome. Don't just settle in something that Jesus has already won victory over. Don't just say, I'm just human. Listen, weakness is part of humanity. But it doesn't mean that God won't be strong in the midst of our weakness. What if when we look at our, our future and the things that we're facing in the future, 
I don't know, some of you may be facing things with your, your parents that, you know, they're getting older and you're like, I don't know, we're going to have to take care of them. You may be think, facing things with, with health issues. There's, no, there's an unlimited amount of things because here's the thing, if you're sitting here right now, there's something in the future, right? But what if instead of being in anxiety over the future, trying to figure out every aspect of our future, if we just came to the Lord and said, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust you. And we laid it down at his feet and we said, Lord, here it is. I can't handle this. This is too big for me. Do we trust him enough that he would begin to show us the way that we need to go, that he would direct our future? What about our perfectionism? What if we just came to a place where we didn't just settle for this mindset that I've got to be perfect, but we continually brought it back to the Lord and we were continually reminded in his word and in prayer that his gospel is true and that he's given us what we can never attain and that we just begin to hold and cling to him and let him create in us what he wants out of us. The perfection that we can never attain. What about patience? If we just realize like, I don't have to be the angry bird, right? I don't have to live my life like somebody stole my eggs. I can, I can let this go. I don't have to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness. In fact, Jesus tells us, if you want to be forgiven, forgive. And we're taught throughout scripture that if we want, that we should forgive others the same way he forgave us. And we come to a place of recognizing God's desire for us is to be able to release that and find strength in it, to let it go. The third thing I would tell you out of this scripture is that we need to share it and not bury it. We need to share it and not bury it. It's there, it's real. It's like Reed hiding his head under the covers, man. But we think we can hide it. And here's the thing I'll tell you, that never works. Paul in the scripture, he didn't just share it with a, with a couple of, listen, this dude meant what he was saying. He was like, listen, I will boast in my weaknesses. He wrote a letter to the whole church. How many of you would like to do that? Like, here's your homework assignment this, this week, go home and write out all your weaknesses. And then on next Sunday, we're going to read them one by one and put them up on the screen. Nobody wants to do that, right? Yet Paul writes a letter, not just to the Corinthian church, but knowing that this letter would be circulated, knowing that other people were going to read it, going to see it. It was going to be out there. And yet as Christians, as people who are supposedly folks who walk in forgiveness and also extend forgiveness to our brothers and sisters and help them out of the pit, not putting our head on our foot on their head while they're in the pit. We so many times struggle to be able to share our burdens, to be able to share um, our struggles and our weaknesses. And that's why so many times we walk in an inability to find strength because we put our strengths forward and we put our weaknesses somewhere where nobody else can see them. And rather than talking to someone else, we hide them. What would it look like if you went and you got a part of a connect group and you actually in your connect group shared your life? Or what would it look like if you took a next step to go to a Christian counselor or a Christian therapist and you said, this is, I've been carrying this for 30 years. I can't do it anymore. What would it be if you grabbed a friend, a Christian 
brother or sister and you said, I got to share this. I've, I got to give this to the Lord. I've got to share this with you. And then you began to draw strength from one another. What if you had people in your life you could share your burdens with and that didn't criticize you and judge you but reminded you of the gospel of grace and that that exalted in your heart, exalted God to the point that you began to follow him in a different way, in a new way, in a new light. So many people walk into church Sunday after Sunday thinking that, Maybe he'll say something that's going to fix me. This is the thing I can tell you. One message is not going to make all your problems go away. One message is not going to change everything in your life. One message is not going to take away the hurt. One message is not going to take away the pain. One message, listen, Paul prayed about this. He said he prayed about it three times. It didn't mean that he prayed three times. God gave him that. And he never talked about it, never thought about it again. Most of the scholars I read and the people that have studied this way more than I have actually said that he, meaning, when he said I prayed three times, it meant I prayed until I got an answer. What if we did that? And then what if we stood firm on his answer? What if each of us took the truth of this word and applied it to our lives that his grace is sufficient and that we brought our weakness to our strength, Jesus? Rather than running from him, rather than our weaknesses causing us to look for an exit, we actually came to a place where we brought it to the Lord and trusted God with it. If we truly shared our weaknesses, the fourth one, the last one, I would tell you is to kill it. Don't coddle it. So many of us have been walking with these these things in our life that that we just, man, we look at it and, and we're like, well... I guess if God's going to use it for good, if he uses all things for good, I'll just snuggle up with it. It'll just be a part of me and I'll be a part of it. It'll become my identity. I'll just do what, whatever it is because, hey, evidently I can't overcome it. A lot of us could even read this scripture and say, well, if Paul had a thorn, it must be okay for me to have a thorn. It must be okay just to, but listen, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, yeah, I have weaknesses, but I bring them to the cross and there I find strength to overcome, to get through. You got to understand that Paul was the same guy who wrote Galatians 2.20 that says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. He's also the guy who said, I died daily in the midst of my trials and, and in the midst of harassment, in the midst of the fact that I may actually lose my life. I die daily. And that's where we have to live is in this place where in the midst of our weaknesses, our temptations, our struggles, in the midst of those things, we die. If it has to be moment by moment, minute by minute, second by second, we die and we bring our weaknesses to the cross. How awesome would it be if we could get to this place where in our weakness, we began to recognize there's something happening on the inside of me that I need to take to the cross. That it almost became a reminder of who we are in Christ, not a detractor from it. That instead of running, trying to fix our identity, we brought it back and were reminded of our identity in Jesus. That we remembered that our weakness and our issues and our struggle were nailed to the cross and so it has no life if we don't give it to it. You see that? Like it's done. It's been nailed to the cross. It's over. It's finished. 
So that now our weaknesses, our temptation, those things have no life that we don't give it. Unless we're willing to give it life, it doesn't have it. That our weaknesses would draw us to our strength, Jesus. It's a life-changing thing. It's a life-changing revelation. Then we're able to boast, not in our, just our weaknesses. And, hey man, I struggle with this. But in the fact that this is who I was and now this is who I am in Christ. That that's what God does for us. And we bring our weakness to our strength daily. We find strength. We find power. We find the ability to overcome. God begins to transform us from the inside out. And he does a great work in our lives. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. This message came straight out of my own realization with God. Because of my own struggles. There were things in my life that I held on to for 30 years. 30 years. And I knew it was there. But I wouldn't bring it into the light. And I held on and I held on and it was draining me of life. And about two weeks ago, I'm standing on this stage and a recollection of this thing came to my mind as I'm standing up here trying to preach to you. And I literally heard in my mind, I'm not worthy to stand on this stage. And that week I I got sick and I I was struggling and I think God brought me to this place of weakness where Finally, through God's providence and his sovereignty, I was in a moment with my wife and I was able to say, Susan, this isn't right. I'm not okay. And I need to share this with you. And in that moment, I brought it to God and I brought it to my wife and I was able to share it. And she was there to listen. Most of the time, she didn't even say anything. She just put her arm around me. In that moment, I began to find strength. I wish I could tell you the heavens parted, angels were singing, and everything was made better. But it didn't. But the thing I've seen is from that day forward, when I began to struggle with my identity, when I began to to come to this place of not trusting in God for who I am, not trusting in God that I'm enough apart from the church, apart from everybody else in the world, that I'm okay. When I began to struggle and I began to wander and my my mind begins to wander and I begin to think different thoughts that aren't of God just have to bring them back to him I'm trying to allow my weakness to be my strength to not run from him then when my heart begins to be moved away from him I recognize it when I begin to not trust in him I recognize it and I come back to this place to him of bringing that weakness to my strength listen I struggle I have temptations I'm not a superhuman and neither are you but I would ask you this how long how long before you'll bring your weakness to your strength before you'll trust that you can trust him 
that his word is true. How long will you carry that burden? How long before you'll lay it down at the feet of Christ? How long before you'll take your first step in the next of many steps? Become whole and healed in Christ. Listen, he loves us where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. His desire is to create in us wholeness. How long? So much of how we handle our weakness is dependent upon how we view God as a father. Do you believe today that God as a loving father will not push you away because of your weakness, will not push you away because of your struggle, will not push you away because of things that haunt you, things that you deal with on a daily basis, but will envelop you, will put his arms around you and will walk with you in the midst of your weakness to bring you strength. Do you believe that today? Because I'm telling you that it is the Father. That is our God. It lifts us up in the midst of our struggles and seats us in the heavenly realms with Him. The question is, will you bring your weakness to him today will you lay it down will you put it at this altar you should have got a card when you walked in did you get a card when you walked in a little little in that little little business card size card need to get that out if you don't have it you can write it on a bulletin you can write it on whatever you have On one side, it says, when I'm weak. Then it says on the other side, I am strong. This is what I want to ask you to do right now. Just believe that there's something you know that right now I'm weak. I'm weak. There's something in my life that I need to let go of. And this is what we want you to do. We want you to write on that car. Right underneath where it says, when I'm weak, I want you to write that I am strong. If you didn't get a card, write it on a bulletin. Write it on your hand, I don't know, write it on your forehead, whatever. And this is what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you that today you would bring that to this altar. Monday through Saturday, this is a high school auditorium and a stage, but right now it is an altar before the Lord. If you don't have a card, you don't have a piece of paper, you just come and you bring your weakness to your strength. Come and let God minister to you and you lay it down and walk away from it and leave it here. I hope you wouldn't waste this opportunity today. To be able to bring your weakness to your strength. It's not going to be completely resolved. Listen, but tomorrow, you do the same thing. Today, I want you to have a tangible representation of what you need to do spiritually every day. I want you to bring your weakness to your strength. This is what I'm going to do. I want to pray. As I'm praying, I want you to write it down. I want you to bring your card, lay it on the stage, and walk out back to your seat just turn around and walk back to your seat leave it here and let it go and then
in tomorrow, you let it go. If in an hour you have to let it go, you let it go. Whatever you've got to do, you let it go. And you bring your weakness to your strength, Jesus. Let's pray, Lord. God, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for who you are, God. Lord, we know that in and of ourselves we are weak. But God, we know that you, Lord, you are strong. And we rejoice in that, God. Lord, today I pray that by your spirit you would move, God. Move in our hearts. I pray for the person in here who's most cynical right now. That thinks this is a joke. That even doubts you, God. That right now you would pierce their heart. That their eyes would at least begin to be open to the reality of who you are. I pray for the person here right now who's struggling. Who's caught in a trap of condemnation. Who's caught in this trap of perfectionism and Christian legalism. Who's trying to be God. And I pray that today, Lord, they would surrender to you as God, that they would trust in you as God. For the person here who's struggling, we're looking at you as their provider and trusting that you'll provide for them. God, I pray that they would be reminded of how much you love them, that you are a loving Father who's going to take care of his children, who's already given us the greatest blessing of Christ, and that we would fix our eyes on the cross and know, God, that we can see your goodness through the storm as we look at the cross of Jesus. And Father, I pray for for those, God, who, who just need you. Who just need a touch from you. In this place today, God, that they wouldn't waste an opportunity to step in faith and come and spend time with you. Jesus, move in our hearts. Do an incredible work in us, Lord, today in this place.